Mindfulness Mode 318. Bring awareness to it, but then put a separation into it. So then you can you can look at it non-judgmentally and really say, huh, I'm feeling this way. Welcome. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode, and I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks for joining today. I always love hearing from you, Mindful Tribe. So if you don't mind, send me a message telling me a bit about yourself, what you like about the show. Email me, Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Here's a note I received from Elmar yesterday morning. I was so excited when I saw this email. I really was because I have to tell you, man, it's a little discouraging sometimes. Like sometimes there don't seem to be so many downloads. Sometimes, well, there's just some stuff going on, you know, that I'm a little bit discouraged about. But I saw this email and Elmar, wow, you just picked up my day so much. And this is what Elmar said. He said, uh, I'm a retinal surgeon and I live in Sao Paulo, Brazil. My routine is always very rushed between hospitals and surgeries, but I always find time to listen to your podcast during the ride to the hospital. You make it something that I, well, I found it exhausting to drive 40, 50 minutes into, well, that experience has become pleasant and that impacts my day and makes me think a lot about life, the impact of words on people and all the flood of emotions that I used to think that dominated the human being. And today I learned that with mindfulness, we can decide how to react to these emotions. Your interviews have made me a better person and even my patients have told me that they feel a greater connection than before. I wanted you to know how much your work impacts lives that goes far beyond your subscribers. Keep doing that great job. If you want to visit Brazil one day, I'd welcome you with pleasure. And yeah, I'd love to visit Brazil. I love it here in Canada, but I also love traveling and I've never been to South America. so. Uh, like I said, this really made me feel better about things as I work through trying to get all these podcasts recorded and try to get as many uploads as possible and share the word and the whole thing. And so thanks for that very uplifting uh, message. And if you're listening and you've never messaged me before, it would be awesome to hear from you. So thanks so much if if you uh, decide to do that. Today we're going to be talking with Teresa about mindfulness in the corporate workplace. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of Mindfulness Mode. Hey Mindful Tribe, I have a corporate expert with us today when it comes to mindfulness and I'm so excited to have Teresa Prestaki with us today. Hey Teresa, are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely, Bruce. That's great. I've been looking forward to this call for quite a while, Teresa. And before we get into our conversation, I just want to share a little bit about what you do. Teresa Prazaki works with companies to help them implement corporate wellness as a business strategy. Teresa is on a mission 
to create thriving communities within the workplace, and she shares real-time examples of how to include mindfulness into employee wellness programs. So I'm excited to talk about that. Teresa is founder and CEO of C&P Wellness Consultants. She's a board-certified public health professional, a certified well coaches health and wellness coach, and she holds her master's in public health. So like I said, I'm excited to talk with you. Teresa, what does mindfulness mean to you? Let's let's start there. Okay. So I'd have to say, I think mindfulness to me has, has really evolved over the past several years. But right now, it really means bringing in awareness to the moment and really being able to separate yourself from the physical world and really get into listening to your inner truth. Well, I really think that's a great definition. We really need to reach for our inner truth. And when it comes to corporations, I think that there's a real disconnect these days. So what are some of the things you do to help corporations to connect with mindfulness? And I think you're exactly right, Bruce. There is... We live in a society that is so fast paced, overworked, job burnout is a real, real life thing. Um, And so one of the things that I think with any kind of wellness programming, it has to start with mindfulness. That's really the key. So I'm excited to be on the show because of that. Um, But one of the things that I like to do with corporations is really get into customizing a solution for them. Um, So this could be anything from physical wellness to mental health wellness to financial wellness, you name it, but it all starts with the idea of mindfulness. When you're looking at specifically implementing like meditation and mindfulness in the corporate well-being setting, I've set up all different kind of programs for corporations depending on what their wants are from the employees and what their needs are from the organization. So things as simple as a a seminar, right? A lunch and learn kind of seminar where Mm -hmm. you have a mindfulness person such such as yourself come in and really Mm -hmm. talk about the benefits. That's kind of like a starting point. There's also ongoing training where, again, someone such as yourself or another trained kind of meditation or mindfulness expert can come in and do like a six-week group program setting. Um, Other things are you can combine physical, so you can do things like Tai Chi or yoga, so you get a physical aspect along with that mindfulness and meditation training. Or something as simple as, you know, we, I do like to help organizations encourage walking breaks, but also encouraging mindfulness breaks, right? So you can do that. And at the simplest level, if you're just starting as, a, as maybe a manager or a leader and you're like, I just need to implement something right away, doing something as simple as starting in or setting an intention before you start a meeting that right there is bringing mindfulness to the moment. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I think meetings are where a lot of the stress comes out, you know, like there's stress about going and preparing for it. There's stress during the meeting and sometimes there's, there's stress afterwards. So you appear at the companies. What's the first thing you do? Do you do you connect with the CEO? Do you connect with uh, other teams? How do you go about it when you first start consulting with a company? 
So I normally go through HR. So I'm with the human resources and that's where most wellness programming is housed currently. So there are some corporations that are housing this in different departments. Um, I actually have a, a person that I've worked with that um, they put, it's a city, so um, a mu municipality, and they actually mm -hmm. put their wellness programming under the Parks and Recreation Department um, because they wanted to get it out of human resources. So I think wellness, just right, it, how it is right now is really evolving. It's a really exciting time to be in employee wellness. And it's kind of one of those things where you're, you are creating it and evolving it um, in real time. So I think a lot of corporations, I think by um, the stat is like by 2019, so next year, we're, we're going to see about 70% of corporations have some kind of wellness plan implemented. And so that's, I mean, it could be, you know, anything from really small wellness to a really robust kind of program. Um, but in this, I think that a lot of it is housed in human resources, but that doesn't mean that it has to be. And why do you think it's a good idea to get it out of human resources? Or do you think that? So that's a great question. And I really think it depends on the organization. I think it depends on the size of the organization. And I also think that it depends on the mission of human resources. So human resources, if you are really uh, focused on the people and you're not focused on what the and I, I say this in a way where the management agenda is not your agenda, even though I know that you have you have to have that agenda, but really you're for the people, then I think that wellness is a great place to be housed in that. But not all human resources, I think we can probably agree on this, um, are the same. So I think it really depends on the organization. Well, sometimes human resources kind of creates stress in itself like because after all they do all the firing usually don't they as well as the hiring exactly so i think that like i said I, I really think it depends on the organization i work with one organization right now and i think the wellness um it is housed out of uh human resources and i think that it's a fantastic setting where it is right now and it goes hand in hand with the benefits um, so I, I just really do think it depends on that organization. And that is one of the things, right? So you, you have to find out what exactly are the goals of your organization. What do you want to, when you are developing, and that's what I do, I come in and help them develop this wellness brand and the meaning, right? The purpose behind it, um, and make it part of that overall cultural brand. Where does that brand sit then? Does it sit with human resources or would it be better, you know, in another in another um, department or setting? Right. That makes sense. So, Teresa, how can corporations actually gain concrete, tangible results from bringing mindfulness in? It's a great question. So what. Anytime that you're coming into a corporation and doing anything within there. So if you're doing professional development, if you're doing uh, wellness programming, whatever you're doing needs to be evaluated. Um, and so what we do, my company is we come in and we have for any kind of programs, we we do a either pre and post survey or we do a um, post survey, depending on what kind of program we implement. But there is always always data to show whether or not uh, we are making, um, number one, is there participation? Number two, how is the program received? And number three, we look at um, 
um, behavior change and habits. We also look at overall well-being. So did this program make a difference in the employee's well-being? And then from those, when you get aggregate data, you can really tie it into statistically tie it into business results. So, Teresa, what was the most challenging experience you ever had when you went into a company to bring mindfulness to that firm? I think the the ongoing challenge is that um, and I think that this is just an ongoing challenge with people. So I uh, but in my experience um, consulting with companies is that. I, I'm trying to say this as candidly and nicely as possible. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, I have the expertise and there's a certain way that I recommend doing things, but companies don't always agree with that strategy. And so it's, it's like a dance, right? It's like a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's like a nice dance that you're doing with this company of um, constantly having to showcase your dance abilities for them to really um, understand the method. So I would, I would say that that is a huge challenge is a lot of corporations already kind of have it planned out. Maybe they read it in an article or maybe, you know, they've done their own research and they've seen what works at one company. That doesn't mean that it's exactly going to work like that at their company. And I think that that's a big disconnect. Right. And can you tell us a story about a time where everything seemed to click? You got in there and you did some of these exercises and workshops and so on, and it really did make a huge difference. Yeah. So I work um, with a current client and I would say that that absolutely is happening now. I've been working with them for a year and a half. And one of the key things in order to do this is to keep your leadership in the in the loop. Um, what we like to do at CMP Wellness Consultants is have um, executive champions. So we like to include our leadership and make wellness a forefront by having them kind of sponsor different activities and initiatives that we put forward. Um, you know, as, as well as I do that, there is a lot on everybody's plate. And so as long as we can get them engaged and usually making them a, a um, executive champion of something helps them be helps them stay engaged. Um, and then they in then turn help their employees stay engaged. The other part of that is to have an active and really empowered Um, employee wellness committee. And so those two key things, having your employees engaged and having leadership engaged are the two things that really make the programming click. And those are the things that really help, um, obviously with program participation, but also with those behavior changes um, in, in regular habits, as well as in overall well-being. And how does mindfulness uh, help teamwork skills? Well, I should throw that question back to you, right? You probably have an answer for that. Um, So I think going back to when you asked me, what does mindfulness mean to you? um, And the first thing that it means, the first and foremost thing is awareness. So if you are not aware that you have a broken team or that your team may need some, you know, help or building trust or conflict resolution, um, I think that you are in a spot where you're not able to then really develop that team. And so I would have to say that mindfulness is integral 
to building team and having teamwork um, and building cohesive teams uh, in any workplace setting. Right. And teams are so important to make sure that they're working together well and they're positive and they're behind the company. Well, I know you have a couple of toddlers at home. What do you learn from your toddlers that you can share with executives when you go out and do your training? So, yes, I do. I have a four-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And um, fun fact, but they were both born on Halloween. So, <laughs> so they, uh, it's a very easy, easy celebration for us on Halloween every year. Um, so patience, that is absolutely, uh, the one thing that I probably lack most in my life. And also the thing that I've learned most with them, they are in the sweetest terms, very volatile. <laughs> um, they are forces and powerful, um, and wonderful and beautiful, but they are also very volatile and they're also human beings. And I think that that, that is a huge thing to bring that I, a huge thing that I bring into the workplace with me is that a lot of times we see in the corporate setting and even in parenting is that we are one person is perceived to have the power over the other. So in the parent-child relationship, it's the parent. In the corporate setting, it's the manager or the leadership. And I think that the more that we break down those walls, the more that we actually look at a person being a person, right? So a child is an actual person, um, yes. not something to be controlled. The same mm -hmm. with an employee, they are a person. They're not wanting to be controlled. They're wanting to be valued. They're wanting to be heard. They're wanting to be seen, all of them. Um, and so I think that that is a huge thing that we bring into the workplace is trying to see each person as an actual human being person. I totally agree, Teresa. Totally agree. So often we think we have to control others. We have to we have to implement a plan to make them do what we want. Well, you founded uh, C&P Wellness Consultants. I'd like to know the story behind that. When did you decide to do it? How did it come about? What does your firm look like now? Sure. So um, I fell into it, to be perfectly honest. I get this question a lot, and I think it's just funny how things kind of happen. Um, I grew up and my mom was a mail carrier. My dad actually um, owned his own business. He's an electrical contractor. So he was an entrepreneur. Right. Never in my life uh, did I think that I was going to be an entrepreneur. I never wanted to be. I actually, when I was a little kid, you know, I think that um, maybe we get this idea that girls think about, you know, their wedding days and things like mm. that. I never, I never thought that I never thought that I was going to be married, never thought that I was going to have kids, but I, I had this, uh, total idea that I was going to be like a CEO of some company. <laughs> <laughs> and cool. so I was very career driven. I was very into school. I love, love books, love reading, love school, love being challenged intellectually. And I, was at a job. I was like 20, I don't know, 25, 30. And I was just not happy at all. And I ended up quitting my job. I was 30. So I ended up quitting my job. I married my husband, um, all within five months. It was very fast. 
That is fast. Yeah. um, I met my husband and then we married within five uh, five months. We actually were, uh, we put everything together in two weeks. Uh, It was a small ceremony. It was awesome. My grandmother actually married us. And we... I did nothing for about eight months. I looked for jobs and I was like, what am I going to do? And then I ended up getting a job that the next January and I was very, very excited about it. And then I found out a month later I was pregnant and I was like, okay, I, at that point we had been talking about it and we were, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't think it was going to happen that quick. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so when it happened, I said, okay, uh, I don't want to be working a nine to five. This is not how I want to live out my life. And I want to spend time with my children, but I also want to make sure that I still have that career. And so I ended up, um, starting my own business, doing coaching online, Mm -hmm. health and wellness coaching in, in that April. So I was still, I was pregnant at this time and then basically grew that business. So I ended up staying home uh, with my daughter and had my son afterwards. And when my son was about six months old, so all this time I was doing health and wellness coaching on the side Mm -hmm. um, as like basically a side business. And then I um, found a company that was looking for somebody who wanted to consult with them for doing employee wellness. And I pitched them and got the job. And so that's how that kind of fell into place. And that was a year and a half ago. So really in 2016 is when I started consulting with companies. And then this year we rebranded ourselves to CNP Wellness Consultants and I brought on my husband. So he was kind of already always in the background but okay. he's where he's where the C comes in. So I'm Teresa Perstocki. He's Douglas Crowley. I kept my maiden name. And so we are CNP consultants and he helps me with more of the professional development. So we do oh. we do not only wellness programming, but we also offer professional development. I see. So it's evolving. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. I see. Well, it sounds really exciting. So do you do most of your work in your region or do you do work around the world? So currently I've been, uh, so I'm in Florida and currently Mm -hmm. I work within the Tampa Bay area, but um, we are looking to expand. So now that the kids are getting a little older, I'm more comfortable um, looking outside. And so uh, I am looking for some international travel this, this later this year or early next year. I see. And so in that case, would you go in and spend two or three days with the employees of a company? How would that look? Right. So we're looking at getting away from on site unless, of course, you know, there's Mm -hmm. um, some kind of agreement that comes to that that works for both both the organization and our company. But getting away from more on site work and doing um, more strategy and consulting work. I see. I see. And will you connect uh, online with some of the employees as well then? So what do you mean? So will you connect on Skype and maybe do some meetings on Skype or Zoom or something like that sometimes? I would I would imagine so. Yes, that's what. Yeah. Well, it sounds really exciting as you kind of move into this new new area of your business. It is. It's very exciting. Yeah. It's I feel like um, um, I feel excited and then also you know it's uncharted territory so it's pushing you and it's challenging you and i feel like my biggest challenge is definitely um my 
kids. So, you know, making sure that I am balancing a work and life in order to make them feel like I'm still there and I am still giving to them as much as I'm giving to uh, my other baby, which is uh, our firm. Right. Of course. Of course. Teresa, as we move forward, I have five quick answer questions I want to ask you. And the first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? So I would say right off the bat, it would be, well, one person, I can only pick one. Um, I I have several that have probably evolved it, but I would say my grandmother, probably number one, um, she's since passed, but she was very into being in the moment and just making you understand how important being in the moment was. Um, I would absolutely say my husband, he, he really grounds me and again, kind of carries on what my grandmother has said. And then I think in in another way, my children just are, are forceful (laughs) with making me, you know, understand how important the moment is. It's, it's kind of like the three different levels, maybe a generational level and different loves, which I do think that mindfulness has to be involved in that love. Yes, I would agree. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. So I would say that I'm a, it, mindfulness allows me to put a separation between my emotions. So we're very emotional beings. And sometimes we let emotions kind of override us and we think, oh, I'm feeling this way. So this is all of my reality right now. And I think what mindfulness really has this amazing capacity to do is put that again, that bring awareness to it, but then put a separation into it. So then you can, you can look at it non-judgmentally and really say, huh, I'm feeling this way. You know, what does that mean? Or, huh, I'm feeling this way and just let it, let it be. Interesting. Every time I talk with somebody about mindfulness, the topic of breathing comes up. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. So I, I've been trying to meditate, I would say, a good three years now. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to get to your book recommendations because I have a great book for you that I wanted to actually read. Um, and then I'd actually like to hear what you have to say about it after you read it. But mm-hmm. um, so... Whenever you hear of mindfulness or meditation, the first thing that they all that any kind of teacher has said is go to your breath. So mm-hmm. I, in my personal experience, have found this to be incredibly easy um, and it refocuses you. It's always accessible um, and it just automatically calms me. Um, one of the things that I do with breathing is I like to count to 10 or 20. So eat you know, when you breathe in, it's one, breathe out, it's two. And so I normally go to either 10 or 20 and then restart it. Um, and I try to do that for a good five to 10 minutes. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, <laughs> what would it be? I can't wait to hear it. Well, perfect. Um, so I'm reading two books right now and they're kind of, they're different, but um, one of them, so the first book I'm reading is Conversations with God, which is Neil, Don- Neil uh, Donald Walsh. Okay. So I'd recommend that as a mindfulness book only because I think it expands your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if I agree with everything just yet. I just started about halfway through, but I really have enjoyed it. And it's opened up um, my experience of mindfulness. The other book um, is, I think, a brand new book uh, that just came out. And it's by Light Watkins. And it's called Bliss More. 
And I just started this book too, but I am, I'm so interested in this book because it really turns everything that I've heard and experienced through meditation and mindfulness with teachers and such on its head, like totally just, um, says the exact opposite and the really? whole purpose. Yeah. And the whole I purpose of this book, the whole purpose of the book is actually to help people who have trouble meditating to start meditating. Um, and that's me. So I've started and stopped and started and stopped and do not have a consistent practice for again, like I said, three years. And I, I bought this book. I heard about it the other day and I bought it and I was like, Oh, and I, I, I mean, I'm in like chapter one and I love it. I love it. So. That is really fascinating. Yeah. And I haven't had it, that book recommended before. So yeah, I look forward to checking it out. So what is the most incredible thing that you've read so far that seems completely opposite to anything else you've read? So he has a method. It's called the easy method, which I haven't got exactly what it stands for just yet. I haven't read far enough. But so here's a couple things. He says, number one, you should not be sitting straight up. And he said, you should actually be sitting comfortably. So he kind of says this, he says, basically, if you start a jogging program, right, or you start mm -hmm. a running program, and you just start out as a runner, you wouldn't go and run 26 miles like a marathoner, or you wouldn't run as fast as you possibly can, like somebody in the Olympics, right. because you're not trying to get to that level. What you're just trying to do is, you know, maybe incorporate some techniques to get a regular jogging routine or running routine down. And he says that's basically the same thing with meditating. So you don't need to meditate like a monk would at the beginning. What you need to do is get into a regular practice. And so he recommends a couple things which I've never heard, which is number one, just sit comfortably, right? So if that yes. means that your your back is like, you know, up against um, a pillow or a little slouchy or even your legs are up, then that's okay. And he also says to set a timer, not an alarm, but a timer and to look at it as much as you want for 10 minutes. So set the timer for 10 minutes and then go ahead and frequently peek, peek at it over and over. So just those two things alone, he says a lot more in the book, but mm -hmm. those two things in the alone, I was like, wow, but I, I just started implementing it about a week ago. And I have to tell you, I've, I've been way more consistent with meditating. So I think you might enjoy the book. I think I will. So do you use any apps at all when it comes to mindfulness? So I use um, Gratitude 365. And I know that that's not specifically a mindfulness app. I've used Headspace before and Calm. Um, and I really actually enjoy Headspace. I love the Take 10. But uh, for me, mindfulness shows up as gratitude. And I really enjoy the Gratitude 365 app because you can go in and write down what you are grateful for and aware of at that time to be grateful for. And then you can actually write or you can take a photo and it saves the photo to that day. And mm -hmm. so it's like, it's basically like an online journal of what you're grateful for. So I, I love that app. Yeah, I like that too. That's very cool. So how can we connect with you further, Teresa? Maybe, you know, some of us listening are, are in corporations, we're CEOs or we're in public, you know, in any of these positions, human resources or whatever. And we think, geez, it'd be great to connect with Teresa. What's the best way? The best way is to go to the website. So that's cpwellnessconsultants.com. Great. Okay, and I imagine you're on social media as well. I am, so you can find me on 
Facebook, um, anything is, is my name on social media. So I'm really big on LinkedIn. Um, so I would love to connect on there. Um, but again, you can even go to the, to the website and we have our, our social media out there. Okay. And your last name is P R Z Z for me since I'm in Canada, but P R Z E T O C K I. That's right. Teresa with no H T E R E S A. Teresa Prestaki. There you go. Okay. So connect on social media, check out the website and uh, yeah, check out, uh, what you can do for your company to bring mindfulness in. So, Teresa, it has been really great talking with you today about this. And I honestly feel that even though it is increasing, I think not enough companies are embracing mindfulness. So fantastic that you're helping them do it. Absolutely. And I think you have a you have a great podcast. And 100%, I think that... Um, that I agree with you on that. But I think that, I think companies are coming around to a lot of wellness initiatives now. So it's exciting again, to be in this space right now. Um, and you as a, as a, uh, meditation consultant can probably enjoy that as well. Yes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Teresa, thank you again and all the best to you as you move forward in your, in your life's journey. Thank you. You as well. Right. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.